Hey everyone, Overby here. Stay tuned after the end of the episode to hear us do some readings from Jack's spec script for a big Hollywood Jenga movie. All right, enjoy Battleship. Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we eagerly read the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Novelizations ask, hey, did you like that movie? What if I lent so much interiority to every single character that it ballooned from a two-hour commitment to an eight-hour one? And what if the stunning visuals and action your eyes feasted on became paragraphs and paragraphs of, he went here, then he went here, then he did this? turning a passive experience into active homework. Would that be pleasing to you? We're your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Hannah Blackman. And I'm Jack Bacone. And today we're here to discuss Battleship. Battleship is a 2012 science fiction action film written by John and Eric Hober and directed by Peter Berg. It is based off of the pencil and paper guessing game Battleship, which was popularized during World War I and later retooled by Milton Bradley as a plastic board game with movable battleship pieces in 1967. The central mechanic of the game is that players, unable to see their opponent's board, guess locations on a grid, simulating a blind firing of a missile at an enemy. In time, the absence of successful attacks can be used to extrapolate and destroy the opponent's ships. The 2012 film stars Taylor Kitsch as Hopper, a perpetual troublemaker who, after an embarrassing arrest, is compelled to join the Navy by his nurturing brother Stone, portrayed by Alexander Skarsgård. Years later, the two brothers are set to participate in the RIMPAC War Games, which seem to consist of both seafaring strategy exercises and also, of course, soccer. (laughs) Hopper is now madly in love with Sam, portrayed by Brooklyn Decker, the daughter of Liam Neeson's Admiral Terrence Shane, He frets over asking the Admiral for Sam's hand in marriage. His plan to do so, however, is sidelined when his temper causes him to attack his sworn soccer opponent, resulting in Hopper's impending expulsion from the Navy. When the Rimpac war games are beset upon by malevolent alien spaceships, Hopper must quickly learn leadership and responsibility in order to save the world and his own reputation. The novelization battleship was written by Peter David, developed in tandem with the film and based off the screenplay by the Hober brothers. It was published by Ballantine Books and Delray in 2012. Joining us today is John Goodman from the podcast Exit Interview. John graciously agreed to only read the novelization of this book and not watch the film. And so I'm going to open up by saying, John, what is this book like on its own? Uh, Does it stand well on its own? And uh, did you have a good time? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so I would say it does stand well on its own as an adaptation, you know? I mean, it. Uh, I, I was definitely reading it kind of not expecting it to be too closely connected to the, the board game Battleship, which, of course, I played as a kid. Um, and I got to say, that first moment where they describe the alien missiles coming down from the sky and landing, like, and it's like, 
as if it were made of plastic. Uh, a big white <laughs> cylinder landed on the deck of the of the battleship. I was just like, I can't believe they're really this is this is based on the board game battleship. Uh, it was great, and I'd seen the trailers, so I knew. Uh, I think Rihanna is in it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. The the I main cast is yeah. Taylor Kitsch, uh, Rihanna, uh, Alexander Skarsgård is is Stone. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. Jesse Plemons is Ord, which oh, is like oh interesting. That makes so much sense. <laughs> it's a it's a Friday it's a Friday Night Lights reunion because it's Peter Berg uh, and uh, and um, uh, Kitsch and. Uh, what did you just say? God. Who uh, could forget Rihanna's turn Clemens. on Friday Night Lights? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> she fit well, right want, in. Put a note on that because I want to talk about the influence of Friday Night Lights on the Battleship mm-hmm. uh, movie as, and, and why it why it made the book very different. This th- That's one of those leaps that I feel like you can take where you're like, I understand Friday Night Lights is nothing like Battleship, but if you're a jock, you will like both. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Hannah and Jack, what about you? Just like a general thoughts on on the book and the film Battleship. Uh, yeah, I saw the movie in theaters when it came out and remember thinking, boy, they really play Battleship in this movie. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then, you know, fast forward 10 years, I'm reading the book, not remembering basically anything that happens in it. <laughs> I found the book to be kind of lifeless. It doesn't have a lot of like, authorial flavor like I'm not sure that writer was doing a lot with it but the basic setup is kind of fun uh and then the revisiting the movie I was like damn this movie fun I'm having a good time so with gremlins when we did that episode which I know Hannah and John you weren't there for the I, I was saying before we started recording that there was all of this like stuff that was in the book that was not in the movie about like oh, the gremlins were made by this alien scientist and, and there's good gremlins and bad gremlins. What'd you say his name and was? Mort Gurman. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and um, the reason that that happened, uh, apparently, is because the author was working off this early version of the script that had all this oh. bullshit in it. And then the script got revised and he was like, I'm not changing this. Yeah. <laughs> And it feels to me with Battleship like a like the opposite thing happened. Like I, I if you watch the film after reading the book, it really feels like Peter David read the script and then after he read the script, they did a pass on it where they just tried to pack it with jokes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great, very good description. Like yeah. there's so many just Jesse Plemons one liners in the movie. Yeah. Well, so that's why I want to bring up Friday Night Lights, because um I'm sure the casting of uh, of Taylor Kitsch and uh, Jesse Plemons had something to do with Peter Berg being the director because Peter Berg created Friday Night Lights and, and was the producer uh, and I believe directed the pilot and cast both of those guys and, and kind of discovered them and launched their careers. Uh, and as the first season of Friday Nights uh, developed, it, it was there was a there was a core cast of characters that it was originally supposed to be about. And what happened was the side characters just were inherently more interesting, whether uh, it was on the page or whether it was the the charisma of uh, of Jesse Plemons and um, Taylor Kitsch. But they basically be- got a lot more screen time than the original leads of the show. And as it did, the humor uh, of the uh, of the show kind of evolved too, and it became just kind of chummy and like this loose semi improv improvisational uh, well, improv. 
and uh, and it was uh, it all started with where the characters, the football players, the high school kids started drinking and hanging out outside of games and just kind of hanging out. And then like this hanging out kind of comedy where it's not quite the Judd Apatow patter that was popular at the time, um, but it was more just, uh, oh, you think I should do that? Maybe I should do that. And, and, and kind of being cool, but being dumb at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is the style that all of these one-liners they crammed into the movie are. And I think it's because that's Peter Berg's style. It's Kitsch's style. Obviously, Plemons is very good at it. Uh, you see Rihanna trying to kind of keep up with it, if whether it's ad-lib or whether it's scripted. Um, but but it's very much that sensibility, and, and you see it in other Peter Berg films uh, as well. And uh, so I, I saw the movie 10 years ago, whatever it was, uh, and I completely forgot about it, and I started reading the book, and it was, it was kind of nice to read the book because I didn't remember any, any of the plot points. Um, uh, but I got to be honest, uh, you said something about eight hours. It, it took me eight hours to read just the first hundred pages, and then we <laughs> ran out of time. So I actually stopped reading the book right, right before I would imagine uh, uh, Stone is killed. Um, spoilers. But um, so then I put on the movie, and I watched the movie last night, and I was shocked switching from the book to the movie so fast just how it's literally beat by beat the exact same thing. But just that, oh, wow. that, that Friday Night Lights humor sensibility. And it's re- it really is, uh, again, Peter Berg's style is very handheld, uh, documentary style. And then the hangout patter makes it just feel more lived in. I wouldn't say it was not, a lot of all the jokes landed. But it, does f- it is a t- kind of lived in type humor that just, it, it couldn't be more opposite from the book. So it really is weird to have the, the, ex- the book is there, but it's just, it's, it's like you said, it's lifeless. Yeah, I, I think, and I modified the intro to this episode, like, to sort of reflect some things I felt about the book. And I, I do really feel like the main weapon or in the arsenal of the novelizationist is to add the inner thoughts of the character, right? A lot of that. And Peter yeah. David does so much of it. And it is not particularly believable. And it jumps and around constantly between their heads also. It's like absolutely. every character gets the italic asides. Yeah. Including the aliens. Including the aliens, yes. The alien, oh no. I mean, it's interesting. Is there any of that in the, in the movie? Do you get any interiority of the aliens? Absolutely no, not. See, I thought that was such an interesting and weird choice. Yeah, then, and you finally get to know them a little better, and you find out they're also kind of like meathead army guys. Um, the- it's an interesting choice. At the yeah. last second, they try to cram in. And I, I have this passage bookmark, so I'm just going to jump to like the end of the book. Perfect. But at the last second, where is it? It is so funny. Um, when they're talking about the politics of their homework yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm actually, I'm not going to read the specific thing. I can't thing, wait but to he get literally, that. With like 20 pages to go in this 300 page book, the, the alien commander <laughs> suddenly starts thinking things like... <laughs> I'm not sending my men in because some bureaucrat told me to. <laughs> He's not the one putting his ass on the line. And it's like, it, not only putting his ass on the line. Yeah. He uses the words putting his ass on the line. And not only does it come out of nowhere, it is just copy and paste. Like what Liam Neeson's character said earlier in the book yep. about his human commander. <laughs> it's like the author forgot that he had an idea that he would mirror the aliens and the human people. Because all of a sudden there's this bureaucratic stuff. There's like, oh, these are my brothers, my physical right. brother who died. Same thing as with Hopper and Stone. There's like 
Also, my favorite detail in the novelization is that the aliens smoke cigarettes. Yes! Or alien cigarettes. <laughs> Excuse oh you. Salt sticks. They right, love sorry. salt. <laughs> I, um, obsessed with that. Wish that was in the movie. How is that but not like, in the movie? It, uh, it takes a long time for him to decide to try and give character to the aliens, which is not necessary. Uh, given what the movie is, but it's, it's also like such a bad. weird choice that I wish he did it. I wish he did it sooner. You know, like if you're yeah. gonna do it, I, I I'd love to see more of that throughout. <laughs> he only does it to sort of like predict the aliens' arc. Like early on, the sea, the sea commander I think mm-hmm. is like, oh, the land commander's my yeah, hatchling. That guy's my bro, yeah. and it's only to be like that guy's definitely going to die. It's like it's like the pregnant wife, the cop's pregnant wife of this movie. Well, it's his stone. It's the stone to his uh, his hopper, I guess. Yeah. Right. And now I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you said like, that, now I like it. See, the reason that didn't click is because there should have been an opening scene of the aliens playing alien soccer before yeah. they they reach Earth. <laughs> The book also adds that bit between Stone and Hopper, like the very first scene in the book where they're kids mm-hmm. and Stone has to save his brother's life. And then like they forget about that completely for 150 pages. And then at one point, Hopper's like, the reason I'm so bad at being a person is because I feel like I have to let my brother succeed. Right. End of plot line. That wasn't um, in the movie? Not in the movie. I bet it was. Should I, be I, in I bet the movie. that seems like something you'd cut <laughs> if you were making cuts. It's a, it's such an interesting character concept yes. that I don't think anything's happening with it. But like, the idea is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, it doesn't quite add up, but yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, because I was reading the book and I was really trying to get it read in time, uh, and it was just amazing how I st- like I I stopped at like page one hundred and and I barely got to the invasion. Uh, because there really is like four or five setup scenes. Like you would in yeah. a typical dumb Hollywood blockbuster, you would get one scene that sets up all the arcs and the characters. It would either be the soccer match, mm-hmm. or it would be the fight in the bathroom, uh, or it would be the scene that they didn't shoot where, uh, as them as kids. It would be one of those, and then it would the chicken to, burrito, the most yeah. important. Or the, or the, yeah, of course, or the chicken yeah, burrito I think sequence. The soccer game would be a perfect yeah place yeah. to to start yeah. it. You, but we you, get, you get all of these. There. It's like the end of like Return of the King has six different endings. This has six different beginnings yeah. before the actual movie kicks in, or book. Um, does the whole chicken burrito sequence play as as outrageous in the movie as it does not? In the, John, it leans so far into its outrageousness Uh because I thought, like, reading the book, I was like, this isn't really something that visually is going to work. It's too cartoony. And their solution to that is to score it to the Pink Panther theme. I was so shocked by that. The literal Pink Panther? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, he's like, literally, as he falls through the ceiling, it's like, da-dun, da-dun, like, literally. (laughs) It was such a tonal, like, what is happening here? Yeah, the movie has a weird tone and a weird sense of humor. We're like, that happens. And then also Alexander Skarsgård gets blown up. And yeah. like, those two yeah. things don't fit together. <laughs> that character should, like, survive somehow. And uh, everyone on Hong Kong, right? Like, this, it's a it's a brutal alien invasion. I, I cringed at the Hong Kong scene because it was like, ugh. Like, you know, you're literally, it was like the Man of Steel 9-11 problem. You're literally, yes. you just saw, like, 50,000 people just die. It's just like, all right. Well, that happened. Mm, still the movie's kind of obsessed now. with yeah. 9/11, though. 
the interesting 9-11 stuff in the book, too. That one yes. scene with the president where he's like, who among us on that September morning in 2001 <laughs> didn't think of a Michael Bay movie when we saw the towers <laughs> coming down? It's like, I don't know. I don't know, Peter David. Who, who, wait, is, the, is the president in the book? Because I didn't get that far. Is the president Obama? Because in the movie, he's Obama. He doesn't seem like Obama to me. Okay. He does not seem like Obama. In, yeah. in the movie, he's Obama because they use real news footage, and it, so it makes it sound like Obama's like the aliens are, have invaded Hawaii. <laughs> and like, yeah, they use like like a combination of the the failed missile test in Hawaii and the Fukushima disaster, and they combine the the footage. So he, it may, he never it, it makes it says like aliens. That. He says like I, I'm continuing to look for updates on the situation in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It would be great if it was Obama in the book and, and Peter David gave us like a Obama in, inner monologue. Like, Michelle's going to, is it going to believe this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the, I love the screenplay, like calling the shot and being like, oh, let like Michael Bay will direct this movie. And then it's directed by like diet Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, a couple references in the book that makes it clear that they had started writing it after it had been cast and maybe even begun shooting. Like there was a reference to Liam Neeson as like, he's like a wise Jedi. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. And about uh, to his that. Clash of the Titans role too. There's a <laughs> comment about like, as if, as if Zeus had just yelled, release the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Irish lilt, even though he's an a New York, a American admiral. He, uh, he yeah, has an Irish accent. About? Is that explained? <laughs> It just says he has it. It just says he has an Irish accent. (laughs) So I I just want to bring up kind of a big picture topic here, which is what is this movie's relationship to the board game? Like Mm. you guys, it said some stuff about how it was fun to like see it. The, the board game battleship kind of be brought to the screen and how it obviously was that I have this theory that like this movie was written with the idea of like, oh, we have an out if Hasbro backs out. Because like they don't, they don't film the scene of them playing Battleship in the woods at the beginning. They like brought a Battleship board into the woods. That's what was happening, right? With pencil and paper. Oh, okay. It's a little better. Um, (laughs) They they don't uh, put that in there. And then of course in the book, they keep teasing it. I, I'm sorry to go on this diatribe, but the line like 250 pages in uh-huh. where the John Paul Jones, the ship, uh-huh. goes down. Not a battleship. A destroyer. Not a ba- Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> go on. And, and Hopper is interrupted as he stands on his sinking ship. He goes, you sunk my... And then somebody interrupts him. Yeah. He was going to say destroyer. <laughs> Because he has this whole monologue in the first act about how, you know, battleships are just there to, like, take punches and, like, yes. I'm on this ship that's way better. Psychotic it's a destroyer. Moment. Also, he interrupts the tour guide to be like, I agree with what you're saying, but you're not saying it strongly enough. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, but he was going to say, you sunk my destroyer. Like, yeah. Peter mm-hmm. David really lucked out that a character interrupted him. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's eighty percent there. It's weird that they didn't fully commit, because you have, you know, in the in Battleship the plastic game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the pen and mm-hmm. pencil and paper one is different, but you have you have your five ships. You have your destroyer, your cruiser, your carrier, your sub, and and your battleship. Got it. Uh, and in the movie, you have two destroyers, and you have Liam Neeson on the carrier. Um, 
and you have the battleship at the end, uh, the mighty Mississippi. What was it? The Missouri. The Missouri. The mighty Mo. Yeah. The the Missouri is famously the one Seagal takes back in yes, under yes, siege. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. but you don't have a cruiser and you don't have a sub. And I don't know if cruisers are still ships at all, but uh, mm-hmm. they're certainly subs. And it was so weird that they didn't like they're, that. They're, that, that obviously that's what they were going for, but they didn't fully commit, which is weird. And then the alien ships, you know, it's always supposed to be five of each, and like there are five alien ships, but they're they're just whatever. I thought maybe there'd be like an alien version of a carrier yeah. and an alien version of a sub, but they all kind of just look the, the sub same. The sub was disappointing, yeah, because it's alluded yeah. to there's a sub on the outside of the of the bubble yeah. that the aliens yeah. have made, but it doesn't come into play yeah. at all. Yeah, and even the, the carrier sort of does at the end because the air support saves the day and uh-huh. and, and, and Neeson's on it. And and uh, by the way, Rami Malek before he was famous, I noticed was <laughs> oh. uh, was Who's Liam Neeson as well. He's just like he's Liam just... Neeson's like number two guy. I don't know if oh. he's in the book. Huh. I spotted Peter Berg on the bridge of a ship, and I swear to God, I spotted Henry Cavill. But I don't know if that makes sense. Really? Maybe, maybe if they have Oscar winner Rami Malek. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they didn't fully commit to that. They committed to the, the to the peg shaped missiles, and then I'm assuming this is in the book, but it's very visual. So in the movie, it, it clicked a lot easier. Um, but when Nagata comes up with the plan on how to blind fire, and they mm-hmm. use the buoys. When the buoys come up on the screen on the John Paul Jones, it's the battleship grid, and then mm-hmm. they use the coordinates. And he's like, mm-hmm. and then he's like, uh, Bravo, uh, Whiskey Bravo Seventeen, which yes. is like the fancy version of I Nine. Uh, so like the, they they did try to make it battleship, but it like you said, it could have easily been cut out and changed, and you could have turned the pegs into whatever. Uh, and, then, and then it wouldn't have. I think the reason they didn't put the, them playing battleship in the beginning. Uh, and maybe cut the you sunk my blank line <laughs> is because I think they didn't want to. I think they wanted to be seen as like a serious, you know, naval action movie, like a, a Michael Bay, Tony Scott type film. Mm-hmm. And I think they didn't want to be like, huh, here's Battleship. Here's the game. I think they wanted to be subtle about it, which is a weird choice. You know, just kind of embrace who you are. You're a Battleship adaptation. But I think that's why they cut it out. piggybacking off that the big why of the book and movie for me is like why aliens i mean it's Mm, so mm -hmm. obviously make a movie about a naval conflict yeah (laughs) you have the war games you the war game sets you up you have an enemy fleet of identical ships right there it (laughs) seems like they were they were really looking at the board game and being like how do i adapt this and and then really being like let me picture myself as a literal tiny navy guy on this little tiny ship uh what would it be like to see a hand descend from the sky and place <laughs> a little white plastic peg that blows up my ship you know like i think that was them trying to capture that like looking at, at gods descending from, from the heavens and toying with you perspective which is a wild choice i mean it'd be like like making a Monopoly movie where it's about a talking dog and a magic top hat you know <laughs> I do appreciate the movie and the book's concept that we are like one earth and we should work together uh, cross-culturally. But like the difficulty these days of saying like, ah, yeah, those damn Koreans, you know, like doesn't have a, it's not comfortable for, I feel like most of Hollywood, especially when you're trying to say like, we're going to sell this also in China. Yeah. You know, that Red Dawn remake where at the last second they were like, uh, they're North Koreans. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I can, I can understand being like, who's an enemy we can all hate? Aliens. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I thought it was really weird how at the end of the book, so I as a reader started to like get ahead of Hopper intellectually. Oh, huge, <laughs> huge moment for me. <laughs> but when he's like talking about, oh, we should all band together against aliens, like he talks about like this brought us all together. And then I was like, wait, but shouldn't he then realize that that means that the aliens are potential future allies? And then he does, and he goes, I guess that means the aliens could be allies someday. Well, I don't know. If that's racist <laughs> that I hate them, I'm racist. Well, and it's very, um, the parallels Jesus. between the aliens and, and the Japanese are very strong and kind of uncomfortable. I think that that was definitely like part of the of what's going on there is this yeah. is like being attacked by the Japanese and they cushion it with a little bit of like, well, maybe the aliens aren't, aren't so inhuman after all, but very, very slightly. Um, and you, like the Nagata character is very sympathetic and that's nice, but also is very like, oh, he was coldly analytical. Oh, what do you think, Mr. Spock? You know, like there's, <laughs> there's plenty of stereotyping going on in there. So I don't know. Yeah. They definitely have the one world all work together messaging but i i wonder about how how it's implemented the whole time it feels like it would have been easier to make a battleship movie set in a world war ii yeah, <laughs> you're just fighting the japanese yes, <laughs> yes. Make a lot of sense. Yes. but then I, you couldn't drift a ship i guess what if hasbro just threw their name on midway the movie that came out a few years <laughs> <Yeah>. ago <laughs> I mean, but Hasbro's the key here. I think I think the reason they added Aliens was they were riding high off the Transformers series. It made them lots and lots of money. So when the studio execs and Hasbro execs got together and they said, we want to make another Transformers, it's going to be Michael Bay light. It's going to be a battleship. Uh, it's going to be a good cast of good-looking characters. It's going to be Transformers on the ocean. Uh, so they, I think that was immediately like, all right, well, we got to have, like, robot aliens. we got to have alien ships. Uh, I have to imagine that's uh, that, that's that's the cynical reason it's aliens and not uh, an enemy fleet, an uh, enemy naval fleet. The sort of tone would also be a little um, hard to swallow if it was about an actual historical conflict. I think that's probably part of it too, yeah. or like a potential yeah. future one with a real enemy. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, then it's it's less fun, which is funny because like I didn't re I completely forgot that Stone dies, uh, and I was yeah. heartbroken when it happened in the movie because I didn't get up to that yet in the book. Uh, I was shocked. I just didn't remember it. And <laughs> I was very surprised by that. And I think, started, and I, yeah. Jack started flipping through his book. <laughs> Where did this happen? Not <laughs> stone. Well, it's. It, I think it's more more impactful in the book because you spend a lot more time with Stone and in Stone's head. We, you know, in the movie, he dies. You know, half hour in or whatever it is. Um, and it is. It is weird that, uh, at least in the movie, uh, it doesn't really stick with Hopper. He kind of just. Get, get, I mean, I guess he's a he's a strong you know, sailor, and he, he has to keep his uh, mind on the mission. But, you know, he is wisecracking, and he doesn't seem distraught that he just lost, like, the, you know, like, you know it's not just a brother. It's, like, his best friend, and it's yeah. the guy that's pulled him uh, out from the gutter. And uh, I don't know. I don't, is it in the book? Does he, there's, like, one scene in the movie where he's kind of being a shitty captain, and he's sad, and then Beast, like, kind of smacks some sense into him. It's like, come on, we got to, these aliens. Um, but... <laughs> I don't know. Is the book the does the book kind of just treat it like all right, Stone's dead, back There's to the fun. Some of that in the book, um, yeah, yeah, Oprah. There's definitely more of it in the book. Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. thing that I find interesting about novelizations is that they really don't understand. This is connected, I promise. 
they really don't understand how space works. And by that, I mean like the space between us, like they Not have outer space, right? Like they have, they just, I'm just going based off gremlins in this in both books. Characters will like make funny asides that just, if you were to film it, you'd be like the other characters heard you, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, yeah. they'll just make these, like, full thoughts where they're, like, get out an entire specific insult and then be like, yeah, I guess uh, that guy just didn't hear. Um, I was very struck by one of those. Yeah. Is it the one with uh, the Rihanna character, Rakes? That one is in the movie. Oh, okay. That I makes love it. The, the Donald movie. Trump thing? Yes. So, it's when crazy. Stone okay, yeah. dies, this uh-huh. is the connection. <laughs> when Stone dies in the book, he looks at his ocean, yeah. at his ocean, at his brother, across the ocean, on another destroyer. And what does he say? He says, like, he be it. good while I'm gone. And his brother fully understands it. <laughs> There's a lot of mouthing in the in this book. Oh People God. fully understanding what someone is mouthing from a long, a long way away. I was waiting for that to happen in the movie, and I was like, how are they going to sell it? And they wisely just skip it. <laughs> like, yeah. he just blows they up. They just kind of, like, make some vague eye contact, and then he super blows up. Oh, yeah. Um, but I kind of want to talk about Nagata for a second. We haven't yes. touched on him too much. So Nagata, um, a character, he's a captain, a Japanese captain who's on the opposing mm-hmm. soccer team. And is he played he's by played, anyone? Uh, I he's not played by anyone I recognize. The guy's name is uh, Tadanobu Asano. He played and, Raiden um, in the new Mortal Kombat. He's in Mortal Ooh. Kombat? Yeah, he's, the new, he's, the, he's Raiden. Uh, and he's Hogan in the Thor movies. Okay, okay well, yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. And I do okay. need to go get all of this egg off my face. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so basically for anyone who has like not watched this movie or read the book, like uh, Nagata is this rival of uh, Hopper's who after this soccer game where they have like a violent uh, foul or whatever you call it, um, they get into this fist fight on a destroyer uh, during like an important what ceremony and this leads to hopper probably being kicked out of the navy like he's being told that he's going to be court-martialed and get captain's mast when he gets back now in the book w- there's a very detailed accounting of the fight in the bathroom and i d- i want to be as clear as possible i do not mean this as like some gay panic joke it is edited in the movie to seem like they might be hooking up like uh, the way it goes down in the movie is that I mean Hopper is like practicing his proposal to uh, or or practicing his pitch to Liam Neeson about proposing to his daughter in the bathroom Nagata walks in and jokingly is like oh what are you doing like who who are you gonna propose to and he was like actually it's you and then it cuts to just like just like impassioned noises from outside and people noticing. Now I'm not saying it's believable that the characters would hook up. I'm not saying anybody could potentially fall for that, but it does feel like the movie might be making that joke or might be like edited so poorly as to accidentally make that joke. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but it could have that kind of tactless uh, oh, <laughs> attempt yeah. at that kind of humor. Not, I don't know, yeah. but huh. it's not yeah, beyond it Peter just, Berg. It, it just feels especially weird because the movie is kind of obsessed with violence and to cut mm-hmm. away from the violence after a gay panic joke 
to just the noises struck me as very strange. <laughs> um, okay, but was it, Jack, did you ask whether, or maybe it was John, one of you asked whether there's references to the relationship between Hopper and Stone, like, later on in the book? Um, and um, there is, I did want to read this part that really confused yeah. me, which is that late in the book, when uh, Hopper and Nagata are, like, chummy, there's uh, an exchange where Nagata goes, your brother was a good man. Hopper goes, yes. And then Nagata goes, I heard his younger brother was an idiot. Uh, Hopper froze scowling. Was this all some sort of joke to Nagata? Was he going to take the grand gesture that Hopper had just made, trusting his ship to him, simply so he could make a few more snide remarks at Hopper's expense? Then Nagata looked up. But it appears I was misinformed. I will be sure to remember that in the future. And then Hopper's reaction to this is like, wow, we really are buddies. But, like, it's not a compliment to be like, I heard you were a fucking idiot. <laughs> but you're not. And he's also <laughs> very quick to go like, oh, oh, are we back to being, uh, to hating each other? Okay, yeah, I guess maybe we're enemies again now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a question uh, for John, since you haven't seen the movie. Um, uh, how, how old do you picture Nagata? Uh, same age as, as Hopper, I guess. I, they yeah, so that, that's, yeah. that's what I pictured, too, in the book. I pictured, like, a, like, a, like a, basically the Japanese version of, of Hopper, just like this right. young, perfect, chiseled, athletic... Uh, but he's much older. I mean, oh. as, as befitting a captain, he is in his forties. Oh, uh, weird! In, in I thought movie. that was weird too. That really. So bumped why is me he out. getting in fistfights and stuff? Right. Yeah, that I, that's that's right. that's what seemed like the book. The book Nagata made sense, and then when I saw the casting, it's like, oh, that's not what I expected. I mean, again, he's a captain, which makes sense. <clears throat> it doesn't really make sense that Hopper uh, is a lieutenant commander. Although in the movie, I think they said lieutenant. In the book, they said lieutenant commander. Uh, either way, that's a lot for a five-year enlisted. Usually, you have to go to Annapolis to even get become a, a basic ensign. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and they and Liam Neeson says like you got promoted uh, faster than anybody in history. Yeah, there's but some still, reference to it being quick. But yeah. Still, lieutenant maybe, but uh, lieutenant commander, I don't know. Even even Stone's a little young to be a uh, a commander. Um, but uh, Nagata, so Nagata makes sense. So, all right, you're the c captain of a ship. You're in your 40s. Uh, but yeah, I was shocked uh, after reading the book and then and going to the movie. It's like, oh, he's he's an older guy and he's he's kicking people in the face on a soccer field. Okay. <laughs> yeah, why is he rolling around in the mud with with yeah. Hopper? It's very. But weird. it does make sense then that Hopper would be like, all right, you have command of my ship. You you know, co-chair whatever, because he is the senior officer. Yeah, yeah. It is 100%. interesting with Hopper that they have balance that he's a great naval officer. He's so good at it, but he's also such a fuck up that he can't do anything right. <laughs> and balancing like, well, he didn't get pro he got promoted a lot, but he won't get promoted anymore because he's hit like the fuck up threshold. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but he's still like he'll step up to the plate when he really needs to. Yeah, how do you how do you get them to even realize in the navy like, "Oh, actually, he's really talented if you're also fucking up constantly." Like you would yeah. think right. that they would just be like, we, "No, he's a fuck up." Like Guys, we all have this guy in our family, okay? The fuck up who can't get anything right. He's he's pretty high ranking in the military. He's he's dating someone that by society standards is very attractive and he uh He's just, like, incredibly chiseled. What a fuck-up. We all know this guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't totally see on paper what Sam sees in him. Like, she is a very yes. capable, put-together young woman 
who is dating a guy who is embarrassing, who can't keep himself <laughs> under control, yep. and doesn't, I mean, like, loves her and is hot, but, you know, can't even speak to her dad without being, like, a little baby about it. Yeah, and the burrito totally. thing is not a good first impression. To, uh, not to, charming to person, at all. I, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down, did I... she eat the burrito? <laughs> <laughs> I think she does. I think she's a provider. (laughs) I totally forgot. I wanted to bring this up when John was asking about that scene. Uh, um, Yeah, because in the book, there's like that whole he has like he talks to the woman for like two uh, two pages. Like he's like negotiating in the movie. It's just like, come on, open. And she's like, no. And she drives away. um, Yeah, he uh, I keep wanting to say Stone. What is the Admiral's name? Admiral Shane. Admiral Shane, I'm, yeah. get, I'm getting my Shanes and my Stones confused here. Shane says, you're smart, you've got skills, but you have weak leadership and weak character, which is like, man, those are the, those are the ones you really need to, uh, to be in charge of a ship. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like leadership especially. Um, so, yeah, it was, and, and like where is he showing the weak leadership? Uh, he, you know... Because if he's getting into fights, I don't. It's it's weird. They just kind of they they knew those were the characteristics that would make him a good underdog hero to root for, but it just doesn't fit with what was what he's supposed to be. This amazing uh, like genius on the, on the high seas. I don't know. It's also odd for like an antagonistic character like uh, Shane to give him some compliments. That made me laugh. <laughs> that he was like he was like, hey. You're smart, like you bench a lot. You're like, <laughs> I actually think you're like a very cautious driver, but you're not right for my daughter. <laughs> Can we talk about the Sam character? Because yeah. I am all over the place on her. So for, for people who have not either read the book or seen the movie, Sam is the uh, love interest for Hopper, the daughter of Admiral Shane, who... Uh, during most of the action of the movie is like she starts out hiking with uh, a guy who is in physical rehab. He has uh, what's the proper term like um, bionic legs after Uh, losing them in a war situation. Double amputee. Kind of a tongue tongue in cheek way. Gotcha. Well, uh, obviously my tongue is still stuck in cheek. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And she's like goes hiking with this guy to sort of boost his self-esteem because she is, uh, I guess, a trainer at this rehab facility. I think she's and a physical therapist. Physical mm-hmm. therapist. That's exactly what I was looking for. And um, they just happen to be near this, like, satellite that the aliens need to, to as they say, phone home. Um, <laughs> what did you guys think of the Sam character, the Sam arc? I think it's better in the book, <laughs> actually. I think that's a place where the book succeeds, actually, is that, like, she does not immediately handle the situation perfectly. She freaks out, like she needs to be talked down, uh, and then is able to turn that around when she's figured out like how to be strong in this situation to convince the scientist, who is Hamish Linklater in the movie. I was going to ask who plays Calvin Zapata. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park's own Hamish Linklater. Very odd casting, yeah. Very odd odd casting. Yeah, I mean, I like him. He's very charming. Oh, he's so good. The cast of this movie makes so many characters that are really flat on the page, like, pop. And he is so much more indignant in the movie, whereas Zapata in the book 
really leans into the cowardice angle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's sort of like holier much more than like, thou. How could you ask me to do this? I am but a scientist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I thought that the that the Sam character I I kind of like reversed on the two. Um, female leads going from book to movie. So in the book, I was like, this Sam arc is kind of interesting. She's very dynamic. She's very, she has like a lot going on. She's far more capable than Hopper. Like I, I was really digging it. And what's the other female character's name? The Rihanna character? Rakes. 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 So Rakes, I thought was just, was just a character that was like a kind of a quip machine in the book and, and sort of flat. And then in the movie, I, I thought Brooklyn Decker's performance as Sam had almost nothing going on. Whereas like, I believed Rihanna was in the military and was just like, you know, I like, I, I, she's just seemed like, she seemed like she had a real bite to her, but she like, I don't know. I, I really, I I was surprised. Rihanna's good. Um, They do repeatedly imply in the book also that she is, is sort of, uh, is, uh, is turned on by military equipment and like blowing (laughs) things up. Like they, they make it like an erotic thing for her, which feels like, uh, they're certainly not doing that for any of the male characters, uh, but you know it doesn't come up too much, I guess. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't want to be mean, and I'm, I haven't really seen her anything else, so uh, it might just be this one particular movie. But I think Sam fails in the movie uh, because Pro- Brooklyn Decker just had no, just no charisma. It was just like when I was like with the way that she's described in the chicken burrito scene, I was like, man, I don't remember who 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 plays her in the in the book uh, in the movie. Uh, and when I put the movie on, I was like, I don't know who this is. There's, and she's like, she's clearly a very beautiful woman, but she also has like a very forgettable kind of face. Like I couldn't, I couldn't describe her to you right now besides blonde. Um, and I don't think that's, uh, I honestly don't think that's actually uh, because of her physical description. I think it's, she left no impression at all uh, personality wise. And I just, I just, she doesn't stick with me. And I probably have seen her in a few other movies and just, I couldn't name them. Uh, and I think that really hurt. I think that hurt the Sam character because, you know, she's given very, you know, genre plot things to do. So you kind of need that. In, like, like uh, I mean, Hopper doesn't do much either. But uh, Taylor Kitsch is a very charismatic actor that kind of just makes those things work. And, you know, you do even with Rihanna, like you said, she just kind of fits. She, uh, so I think I feel like this, the problem with Sam, I, I didn't really get much of her in the book because I, uh, I didn't get that far. Uh, but I think the problem in the movie is, is is straight up casting. I think the whole arc suffers because I think you could set you could transpose almost everything you just said about Brooklyn Decker. I, I didn't really love the guy playing Mick either. I thought oh, he yeah. lost a lot going oh, from page to screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because he's not even an actor, he's he's uh, just oh, a real true? life. I've heard that a, about the movie. Yeah, they yeah. cast a lot of uh, actual army vets who had. Yeah, wound, he's a he's a he's a wounded warrior, double amputee uh, from one of the armed services, and he's just basically playing uh, another, you know, another. He's playing a version of himself. Uh, I I liked him. I thought I, maybe it's because I knew he wasn't an actor that I was like, oh, he's holding his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he wasn't a, he wasn't with Brooklyn Decker the whole time, so it was easy to hold his own. Uh, although he kept up with Hamish Linklater, which says a lot. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I never got up to Mick in the book, but I could see how. I mean, that's the problem with novelizations is we we make fun of how they lean too hard on the interior monologues, but it does flesh out a character a lot more than uh, a movie can. Yeah. So if you don't have the right casting, you. <coughs> 
you know, you, you lose you lose everything. I mean, that secondary plot with Sam and Mick and the satellite is just a weaker plot anyway. Um, mm. And when you cut to it in the movie, you're like, whatever. Like, are they going to blow up the satellite or not blow up the satellite? Um, and that the tension in that plot all comes from, is Hopper going to blow up the satellite? <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. no uh, option that they can do anything on the ground, really. So, and I think the movie can feel that. And they're just like, I don't know, let's just like get through it and get back to the water. Like, it's fun yeah. when we're blowing up boats. It's Battleship. There's no... There's no land in the board game where there's like <laughs> some of the game is played like that. Yeah, you you have five ships set set the B plot on another ship, a submarine cut off, and maybe she's on the sub. Sam's a you know instead of a physical therapist, she's actually in the navy as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. It was so boring to cut cut to. Okay, scenes. Jack. So here's the thing. You did just sink my battleship. But I turn my destroyer so that its guns face you, the player, <laughs> off the board. That's like essentially how the movie ends. <laughs> Upon rewatch, the part where they play Battleship did not entrance me as much as it had the first time. But everything on the Missouri, I was like, I love this. Yeah, yeah. All these <laughs> old concept, farts. Yeah. They're like, how do we do this without a computer? And these old guys are like, you turn a wheel. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And they clearly and then, gave, yeah, they pivot yeah. the ship and do this crazy thing. Like, that the anchor drop work. thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I did no, think, oh, the anchor drop thing is cool. Yeah. yeah. Very Roger cool. Ebert called They're doing this a lot movie. of movies. It's always cool. <laughs> his his uh, headline for the movie, Roger Ebert's, was like, uh, imagine if Transformers had a great third act. Like, he dug <laughs> the end of this. <laughs> I do think the end is, like, the best part of it the is. movie. It is. It's so fun. And the book is inherently not as fun as watching a boat skim across the top of the water. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. The descriptions just aren't there. The it's, writing quality is Because totally we're doing there. a novelization of, of, a, of a dumb action movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, a novelization of a... Mm-hmm. Of a, a, a psychological thriller probably has a, a lot more advantages to it than you know, when a movie that's literally built around cool looking things and cool sounding things. And um, my favorite line, I think, in the movie, probably if it's even in the book, uh, wouldn't translate. But they, they clearly were using real World War II vets for a lot of the uh, the World War II vet scenes. Although some of them were like 50 or 60 years old. So they, <laughs> they yeah, really I didn't think Vietnam the timeline vets. worked. Yeah, they'd have to be in their 80s, 90s. But uh, there is one old, very old looking guy. Uh, and, and I also don't know if this is a commentary. He, he's Asian, uh, American, and I don't know if he's Japanese, but, he, but it's interesting that they gave this guy the line, but he turns to one of the other older guys and he goes, is it, tr- is it true we're about to bomb Oahu? And the guy goes, yup. And he just goes, holy shit. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like, and because he's not an actor, it just, the delivery is very funny and it's very like, it's just like, holy shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that landing the way it did, uh, on screen that it did in the book. No, that's truly one of the funniest lines in the movie. Another one that made me laugh out loud was, uh, when it's like Linklater's like first scene where (laughs) they call him up and they're like, so what's going on? Like you're monitoring these computers and there's, there's aliens coming and he's like, uh, yeah, who am I talking to? And they're like, oh, it's, it's. Blah 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 and blah 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 and NASA and then Link later just goes, NASA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and then they cut, and then he's like, well, you, you got to get the president. You got to get everybody. And they're like, yeah, you're on the line with the president. And then they just cut to like the Pentagon. You see he's, uh, he's on, <laughs> on the video call with uh, all of the Joint Chiefs. Um, they completely cut out in the book. Who is there? It was like a woman that he sits next to. And, oh, and yeah. Uh, they spend like Rachel three pages. Dorn. Yeah. Right. They, <laughs> they, they spend like three pages about how he smells her hair and he's in love with it's her. Weird. And I have she, no idea what you're talking about. It's because it, they spent it's the first scene of the book, the very first scene, and they spend like five pages on it. And in the movie, he says the thing he goes, he whispers into her ear, he goes, It's just like Columbus and the Indians, only we're the Indians. But they don't even show her, they just show the back of her head. And it's <laughs> weird because there's like five pages of the book where he's just like devoted to her and he's and he's, he, he loves to smell her hair and he loves the freckles on her on the and the dimples. And I think it's a, the right move. Yeah, she never comes back. It's not like at the end, he's like, it's me, a hero. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, I love you. Not you bad know, for a scientist, huh? Um, did they married. expand on that Columbus line in the movie? Because it goes no, in just, a weird direction in the book that, that makes me, I, it's another topic to talk about, like what does is, what is Battleship have to say about colonialism? Um, but there's just a quick exchange where it's like, and we're the Indians, like you said, yeah. And then he's like, some or she's like, well, uh, I don't know what you mean, actually, because Columbus uh, peacefully traded with the Indians and he only fought with them once after they attacked him. So uh, actually, that's a good thing. And it's just like, whoa, OK, well, first of all, that's definitely not true. But also, like, um, it's just an interesting like what what's the perspective we're getting across here? I don't know. I, I it made me curious. Uh, it made me want to keep reading, certainly. And I, I sure did. It's not in the movie. They, he, <laughs> sure says the, he, sa- he says the line twice, which is weird. Uh, but he, they don't expound on it at all. You're right. There is a lot to be, especially tying it back into like the whole Pacific theater was about colonialism. There, there, there is a lot to say, but I don't think Hasbro is, that's a story Hasbro was interested in. Uh, they're not going to sell any toys on the Columbus line. Yeah. I mean, no matter how much that character is correct, they're also still like, but he's a coward, so don't listen to him <laughs> yeah, or respect yeah. him. Even though everything, he's correct. He's right about everything. They're coming to colonize us and kill us. He kind of saves the day. And the scientists are are bad, right? Like, it's like <laughs> military people are good. Civilians are are foolish and don't understand what needs to be done. Even, like, like the Sam character, she's, like, in the military. She's, she, you know, she's, like, traditional and believes in, like, you know, war and stuff. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's the scientists' fault that the aliens come. They make that clear again and again that, like, oh, if, if you know, smart Navy people had been in charge, this never would have happened in the first place. It's civilians' fault. Uh, that's just that's, interesting tack. That's my main takeaway is that the, the book is like next level xenophobia. I, I think <laughs> more than the movie. I, I think both are. I, I think that the. Because from the first page, I kind of didn't like Zapata because he was like, oh, reaching out in any capacity will bring violence. And then to have the entire book just be like, he's so fucking right. <laughs> it really made me kind of deeply uncomfortable. Also, I I think this might be good characterization, but the fact that Zapata has like, like he understands that uh, Native Americans were, you know, displaced by white colonialism, but he still calls them Indians. I thought was a very funny character yeah, detail, yeah. where he's like yeah, almost there, but he's not. Speaking of just, like, nations, can anyone explain this line on 185 to me where they... Uh, where to start? Copy here. Um, okay, so it's where, where Sam says, why the hell couldn't it have been the Chinese? Yeah. She goes, 
She sighed. Why the hell couldn't it have been the Chinese? Yeah, Mick said. You get invaded by the Chinese, and a half hour later, it's like you didn't get invaded at all. Oh, no. I was very confused. What does that, that mean? That, that, is it that's sarcastic? A it's a Chinese food reference. When you eat Chinese food, you're hungry in an hour. It's like oh. you didn't even eat. Oh, that makes it worse. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's awful. It's like an MSG thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that the, the logical leap that Jack took, which is 100% correct, <laughs> is like, I don't think it's fair to assume I will make that leap. <laughs> it's clear that the rest of us didn't make that leap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, says, it probably says something about me that it came so natural. It's like, oh, well, it's clearly the... I've had that issue. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I the, the I mean I I feel like and this clearly was made with the consent of the navy. Uh and I feel like these kinds of movies that work with the navy and, and are basically just commercials for the marines and for the navy and for the armed forces and like, you know, yay America. And Peter Berg's very much a filmmaker of that ilk. Like, you know, he did Lone Survivor uh about uh the guys in Afghanistan and he, you know, he is a very patriotic uh dude. Um yeah, and I think that just, it's hard to have that have a have a movies like that uh, that aren't that don't they they will kind of just inherently eschew nuance and eschew any eschew any questions about enemy and are naturally like jingoistic and and uh, xenophobic and like I wouldn't be surprised if every single character in this movie was also an anti-masker six years later. Yeah, may, may, maybe Stone. I could see Stone taking it seriously. Um, but uh, pretty much I feel like every other one would have that like, no, I, uh, we're not going to let this virus take our freedoms, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, put the military um, in charge. The <laughs> civilian government doesn't, doesn't know what's good for us. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like compared to like Independence Day, for instance, where it is also, you know, also very like patriotic movie, but the, the, I, I, that's just the example that comes to mind where it's like there's no parallel between the aliens are more like a natural disaster or something, but here the parallels are drawn again and again, even just setting it at Pearl Harbor. Um, I feel like they, they ask you to think about this is like, you know, Columbus showing up in the Americas. This is like the Japanese attacking Hawaii. This is like human conflicts. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get a, a single coherent sense of what they're saying with that, at least in the book. Yeah. In the movie, it's the God, the Pearl Harbor stuff. Like when the the little Langolier type pods come and destroy the the backup fleet uh, the, at the base, it literally ju it was like, oh, it's just Pearl Harbor too. Okay, interesting. Which is huh. a bold choice. Okay, and we do need to say for any listeners, spoilers for the Langoliers about fifteen seconds back. <laughs> <laughs> they did, didn't they look like the Langoliers? Didn't they look like the Langoliers? Those spinning balls, which. Uh, didn't re in the, or in the movie they 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 send these like spinning balls uh, with shredders, mm -hmm. shredders, shredders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Hopper's that has very good at naming things on the fly. Yeah, they have yes. no relation. <laughs> what it, what is their relation to battleship? Like the pegs I get, but there that's just is that just a completely made up thing? The shredders I think is just yeah. completely so. fabricated. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing tying it into the game. Like, I mean, I yeah. haven't played Battleship in its, you know, most recent iteration. Who knows yeah. if they've changed <laughs> yeah, it. That's true. Maybe it's in so. Talking Battleship. Yeah. I um, can't <laughs> find your battleship, but I shredder you. They can find <laughs> it. And then you have to be like... And then you have to be like... destroying your civilian installations. <laughs> and because they don't destroy ships, you have to be like, uh, it's at your uh, starboard bow. And uh, that part's <laughs> messed up now. <laughs> G7 ah, you shredded my civilian installation <laughs> I 
I've lost half my crew. Uh. <laughs> oh, my brother, no. <laughs> I would love to play a version of Battleship where you have to be like, well, my brother is on this ship. Oh, I would and love the board game adaptation you... of this adaptation of <laughs> yeah. the board game. That'd be great. And you have to be like, well, I want to defend my brother, but is that at the cost of the rest of my ships? <laughs> Wait, did they? I, they. I hope they did make a movie adaptation uh, of the board game because it is Hasbro. Uh, it just seems like it would be uh, such an easy cash cash in where it's like modern day battleship. You have Taylor Kitsch and Rihanna on the box, yeah. and instead of five yeah, identical right. two two sets of identical ships, five of them are aliens and the pegs. The aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah Do the you pegs think that there are cool. boxes of battleship that say now a major motion picture? Oh my god! I hope so. I I'm hope gonna have so. to Google it right now. Oh, you bring up the, the missiles that look like the pegs from Battleship. I loved that detail so much. I thought that was so whimsical and fun. Is that is that in the movie? Do they really look like giant yeah. versions of the? Because in the they're book, not, they're even it's not like, identical. He says they look like they could have been made of plastic. I think it's such a fun touch. <laughs> they do, they don't turn red in the movie. Oh, they don't huh. turn red. I was Which waiting is a for weird that. Choice. That's too bad. They just blow up. They're but they are peg esque. Is the visual illusion clear? Yeah, I wouldn't it's say not, it's. I wouldn't it's say not it's identical. Like super clear. When stone right? blows up, I really picture like five white pegs in a perfect <laughs> row along the deck of his destroyer. <laughs> all I mean, they do stick into the ship decks. Yes, which is pretty good. Yes, that's that's definitely true. Um, I wanted to say something about the brothers. What was it? Wait, I just googled it. I'm trying to find the game, and the first thing I got is people also ask, "Is the movie Battleship based on the game?" <laughs> I mean, fair to be confused. Yeah, it's kind of a generic title. <laughs> oh, okay, I remember now. But so the brothers, uh, we, we touched on this very early, but the story of like the reveal late in the movie where Nagata is like, "Hey, Hopper, what's your deal? Why are you like this?" Yeah, and Hopper's like, "Well, here's the deal. I was playing a game, and he says I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I was playing some game with but my brother in the woods, which is another reason that I think that." They were just like so ready to pivot to just like naming the movie Alien Fight and and like Hasbro <laughs> disowning him. Um, but he's like, I was playing a game in the woods. I don't know what it was. And uh, which of them gets hurt? It's like the one of them gets knocks uh, their head open on a rock. Hurt. Alex gets uh, get, falls into a river. So yeah. Hopper, yes, that's right. Hopper falls into the river and he's injured and he wakes up in the hospital and he sees his father getting angry at Stone and he's like. From now on, I'm going to make Stone look good. Now, this does not track. Because <laughs> does that mean that, like, his... In the first... Or the beginning of the movie, when he's getting the chicken burrito, he is obviously just, like, being horny. And being like, yeah. if I get this chicken burrito, that girl's hot. That's awesome. And, like, <laughs> he retroactively is being like, I was being such an idiot to make my brother look good. It doesn't make sense. It does seem Not like a story sense. you would tell yourself about yourself. Yes, like, absolutely. I'm choosing to be a fuck up out of I wanted to, to my brother. <laughs> I wanted to stay in the bar and ignore the girl, but I had to make Stone look good. <laughs> and then Stone makes it his entire life to get Hopper to stop being a fuck up. Right. So they're just Stone in a terrible yeah. cycle. <laughs> And he's just like, please get your life together. And Hopper's like, no, this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> Infuriated. And Stone's yeah. failure to do that is like, that's that's on purpose. <laughs> uh, I just uh, I just sent you guys two screenshots in the chat. Uh, I'm very, very pleased to announce that there is a movie tie-in version of the battleship yeah. with alien ships. 
Uh, it uh, looks pretty bad. I'm guess it. I'm guessing it was kind of a dud since the movie was as well. Uh, God, Excuse this was in the you. features solo <laughs> play option. Th- this this was in the IMDb <laughs> trivia, uh, so I feel kind of bad. But uh, they mentioned this in the trivia. This was one of three uh, movies that were supposed to launch Taylor Kitsch's career in 2012, and all three were huge financial failures. I I love him on Friday Night Lights, and I liked him in True Detective, but. Uh, what I've seen of him in movies, I think he's like, eh, all right, I personally. Get it. I find him not Correct. charming at all. I, I don't think he's like a movie star, uh, mm. and I, you know, yeah. not like Hopper in the book is like a really likable, charismatic figure. But Taylor Kitsch is not right. helping yeah. me be like. I hope this guy gets his life together. Um, I don't care about him. And right. This was also. <laughs> Yeah, this was also one of the first big roles for Skarsgård, and he very much does have charisma. And he's and good has in the movie, and you don't well, want him uh, to die, and it's and sad when he dies. <laughs> They're about the same age, sad. right? You could have switched those those yeah. characters. I, guess. I thought that like that Skarsgård made that role sing. Like I did yeah. not care at all about Stone in the book. I thought he's kind of whatever. I didn't really care about either brother, but in the movie, I was like, yes. He's so paternal. <laughs> he loves his brother. <laughs> like I was, and and then I I want to. There's kind of a a niche reference, but have any of you guys seen the um, Chuck Norris movie Silent Rage? No, no I must have. This just reminded that me one. like a lot of Silent Rage, which is it's a movie where Chuck Norris and Ron Silver are like fighting essentially like a zombie man, and mm. halfway through the movie. Ron Silver is killed by the zombie man. And I had the same feeling as when I watched this, which is you're like, oh my God, we're stuck with the one I hate. (laughs) I would much prefer this movie get starred Skarsgård. He is great. And if, or if Stone lasted longer in the movie, if his death was less of a kickoff in heroism and more of like a third act, like, oh God, it's really serious now. Right, right. Yes. It, it, that's a weird thing going from book to movie for any novelization I'm finding is like the novels are such a time commitment that like when you start watching the movie, it you get this feeling of like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. everything's sped up. Mm. Stone dies so fast. And it's like I, I, I he died 80 pages in. I felt like I was his roommate. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I saw the trailer for Battleship and I was a little I was kind of thinking maybe this was still the case because I didn't really remember the movie. I was convinced Liam Neeson would be the one to that die early. Sense. That would make uh, sense, yeah. And I, I, the, stone, the stone death really got me by surprise. He's, yeah, me too. Liam Neeson's <laughs> got to deliver that amazing <laughs> chicken burrito line. <laughs> well, because so I thought that they were setting up that at some point it was going to be like, oh, communications are down. We can only communicate like one letter and one number. Oh, but uh, my brother is in the other ship. Oh, this is like that game we used to that play as kids. So um, but that, that I can't perfect. remember what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been perfect. That's a bit of a stretch, the way they, they do incorporate the grid and the buoys and everything. Also, uh, the I don't know how tsunami buoys, if they do exist, work, but I don't think there's one every 15 feet or so uh, around Hawaii. <laughs> but I thought that was one of the plot points in the book that was, like, legitimately cool. Like, I thought that was clever. Because that seems like yeah. it would work, right? Yeah. The displacement, yeah. And I like that he has to admit, like, the only he has to be like, well, we've been doing this to Americans for 10 years now. <laughs> it would it would have been great if that. 
It would have been great if Nagata was like, whoa, I just had this idea about the buoys. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I know exactly how to do it. <laughs> um, John, you mentioned that the, the uh, board game that Jack shared with us has uh, solo play. Just yep. imagine, I, I think I'd get like, I think I'd get like broken up with if my girlfriend walked in on me playing like solitaire battle. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how it works, but I did. I had a talking board game called Omega Virus, which was very badass in the 1990s, uh, and I played it so I played the solo version very very often, and uh, I can I can it's it's sad it's 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 a sad pathetic thing, but I'm glad they had the option. Do you think otherwise I wouldn't play it at all? Lend their voices to board games. That would be cool. Oh Liam Neeson should. Jesus. Well, that's with Shepard. All you have to do <laughs> is record everyone saying you sunk your own battleship. <laughs> <laughs> we should have bought one ahead. Of, we should have bought this and played it online as part of the podcast. We should have had an epic tournament. That would have been good. Not too late. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, bonus episode way down the line. Um, I, I should have hit this when we were talking about it, but the whole idea of like. Um, very, like what is this movie's and this book's take on like the relationship between nations and bigotry and whatnot it is worth noting and and maybe i'll do my little peter david segment here um peter david's like family history is that his grandparents had the wherewithal to like evacuate germany pre-nazis because yeah. they saw like the rise of anti-semitism happening mm -hmm. and they were like oh we're you know we're Jewish. Like, let's get the heck out of here. Um, and so that's like in all of the various little autobiography blurbs or biography blurbs you can find about him. Um, Peter David, very funny guy, it seems. Um, really? I was intrigued yeah, so by let me, him. Yeah, let's hear about Let him. me just read a little bit from the blurb in the back of the book, and then I, I got a couple other things. So the back of the book says, uh, Peter David's novels include fantasies Tiger Heart, Sir Apropos of Nothing, and there's a bunch of other ones. He basically writes original novels and the quirky werewolf story howling mad he is famous for writing some of the most popular original star trek the next generation novels uh as well as official novels for the movies transformers makes sense iron man spider-man and the incredible hulk he has written just about every he has written they must be missing an about he has written about just about every famous comic book superhero including captain marvel spider-man and he also did the uh, graphic novel adaptation of the Dark Tower series. Uh, and he wrote for a bunch of Babylon 5. At one point, he had a Nickelodeon television series called Space Cases. Um, the thing about David, if you like, look at any of his reviews for these books, like the Star Trek Next Generation books, people just say are the most batshit like, uh, extended universe books a person can find. Let me see huh. if I can figure out. I just read one too. I don't think I don't think it was a Peter David though. It was great. Um, where did I put this? That's fascinating to hear because I would not use that word to describe Battleship. No. Yeah. <laughs> where there is yeah, room for I think for David, it. which it's, more batshit stuff would yeah. have been welcome. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it seems like a weird project for him to take on based on everything else he's done. I mean, my greatest dream in life is to write movie novelizations, but it turns out that to do that, you have to write a bunch of other books first, <laughs> which is yeah. Have you guys cruel. dug much into how that how that happens? I, I do. You just get approached on a commission, like we need a battleship novel. Like, 
Um, um, a buddy of mine works for a company that does it. Like they go to the company and they write all the peripheral, not just novelizations. They write the the character bios and and the all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Based on just the last guy that did Gremlins and this, it does seem like you have to have a history of having done a lot of professional writing and especially like other secondary source stuff. So like if you do, if you wrote like original Star Trek books, they'll let you write like the novelization of Battleship. Huh. Basically like can you play with someone else's characters, you know? Right, right, right. Makes sense. Um, well, we'd it. like I to mean, do it. So whoever's listening would like to give me and Hannah some jobs writing novelizations of uh, of famous movies. We are, it doesn't matter what movie. We'll 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 we'll, we'll start in the mailroom <laughs> and work our way up. How how far away from the source material would you go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not Char- Charlie Kaufman adaptation level, but... I mean, at any point, I'll write the novelization of The Mummy 2017 just for myself, and I'll have it as a spec novelization. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta finish my Jenga. That'll be my that'll be my call. <laughs> they commission you for the rest of the dark universe that never got me. Please, That's even fun. John, you don't know this about me, but I am extremely pro dark universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't see uh, the Mummy, but I mean, the Invisible Man ends with big, good, good universe hook there at the end. There's nothing I would like more than a point where Tom Cruise is like Elizabeth Moss. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to David for a second. Sorry, I'm a little mm-hmm. all, all over the no, place, yeah, guys. Yeah, Thanks for the vamp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I find hilarious is he has his website in the back of Battleship, www.peterdavid.net. I did see that, yeah. And I, I went to it, and I mean, this was published in 2012, a completely different political climate. But... Peter David pretty much only blogs about how much he hates Donald Trump now. Mm. <laughs> and, and several of his blog posts begin with him going, and th- this is not an example. He says, like, this exact show every time. They'll begin with him being like, ah, I'm watching Supernatural. I really love this show. Uh, I'm about to turn on the presidential debate. I know my mood's going to go down. But he plugs <laughs> Supernatural all the time. I love this guy. He's great. He he at one point was asked to describe his profession, and he said, uh, I'm a writer of things. So that's like his sense of humor, which I feel like really nice, comes nice. through in the book. Like he's like definitely, he's definitely the guy who on Twitter just has like blank enthusiast as his bio. <laughs> do, you, do you think it really ruffles his feathers that he put in a couple of Donald Trump references back in 2012 when, you know, Donald Trump references were a dime a dozen and... It wasn't necessarily even a negative reference. It was neutral, if not positive. Uh, you know, calling him a powerful leader type figure uh, that must that must really piss him off. Yeah, and who's to say? Maybe he had the foresight to not put that in, and they were like, "It's in the script, buddy." Oh, it's <laughs> is is it not in the book? It is in the book. It's in both. Oh, but, yes, yeah. but I, I allegedly if he was. Um if his Sorry, politics maybe didn't line up with the the ones presented in the story and he was just sort of working with what he had. I, that's a little bit of a vibe I got. Yeah, I mean, they if absolutely like if his original projects are like fun and interesting and weird, being handed like a very pro-military, pro like American ingenuity yeah. script and being like, oh, yeah. okay. Here we go. And I got a sense of, of a, a nerd being frustrated at, at having to just write about jocks. 
Like, yeah. as soon as, like, the president comes in, he starts being like, this reminds me of an Arthur C. Clarke story. Uh, this reminds <laughs> me of this other, you know. Um, and Hopper himself has one or two Star Trek references where I'm yeah, like, yeah. does Alex Hopper watch Star Trek? I don't think he does. One but. of the Star Trek references is, is somebody says first contact and someone else says, oh, get out of here with that Star Trek bullshit. And it's like, no, that's just what you would call first contact. Yeah. What, what else are you going to call it? <laughs> oh, I think these aliens came from outer space. Stop talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was him, like, maybe him, him fighting the, uh, the xenophobia. That's why he, he tried to humanize the aliens with their salt sticks and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, maybe that wouldn't, that would make sense also. That would explain why it's like, it's there, but it's weirdly sort of unexplored. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing he's doing what he could. Yeah. Um, did you were you guys thrown by the I'm just looking through my notes here. Were you thrown by the part in the book where uh, in Ord's like interior monologue he remarks on how hot Rakes is? Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, that was good. I I was at the point and I I feel like maybe you guys got to this point as well. When you're reading like a ton of the book, you're kinda going through it fast, right? Especially with these little mini chapters, and it's like, and like the action I kind ones of where it's like, I get it, they fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the the Ord thing really threw me off because he he's just has some other monologue going on where he's like, the aliens are attacking, we're preparing in this way. Wow, Rakes is so hot, and it's like, first off, that doesn't pay off. They never get together, right? And the other thing was, this is just totally on me, but I was just like speed reading the chapter, and I thought it was from. Hopper's perspective <laughs> and I was like what the hell and then I spent the rest of the book being like the trick they're gonna pull on us is Hopper gets with Rakes and and Sam is in love with Mick, with Mick. <laughs> and I was just waiting for it the whole time he also comments about how Sam is hot a lot which is like all right yeah. oh I hated how she was just like found that cute I was like yeah. that would that's not cool sort of a chicken burrito moment you know there are two hot people where the only thing they have in common is being hot yeah <laughs> no, I just mean Mick and they love Mick the randomly oh related. yeah Mick randomly commenting on how hot she was and her being like, ha ha ha. I was like, no. yeah. <laughs> Peter David, that's not how the world works. <laughs> um, I mean, in general, these are inappropriate situations to be like, man, my coworker's sexy. You know, like, yeah. be a professional. You work with these people. You don't need to do that. It's a real, like, bro-y jock mentality from, coming from someone who I think has not lived that life. Like, I, it does feel sort of like placed upon these characters you're like wouldn't they certainly hot people think other people are hot i'll write it into my book <laughs> and i guess it's like i bet women in the navy do face a lot of harassment <laughs> yeah, it's sure realistic in that way like <laughs> yeah no a hundred percent it really it really took it from being like oh this is all a big family like the military's a family to like oh this, this the military's scary <laughs> like, <laughs> um i finally found that peter david page i was looking for so this is just someone on reddit like summarizing uh the various next generation star trek novels that peter david wrote uh and he says i guess he was like very obsessed with q you guys know that the q character john delancey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he goes okay and one q hooks up with loxana who turns him into a basketball and slam dunks him <laughs> <laughs> Bring that energy this to battleship. Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a Deep Space oh Nine goodness. one. Odo and another changeling beat each other up like a pair of T one thousands. 
while Quark sells hollow sweet programs of Dax and Kira stripping. So a little bit of the sexism there. Yeah. Uh, let's they would see. kill Quark if that actually happened. And then someone in the comments goes, uh, yeah, I dipped out of Peter David's novels when a Borg cube ate Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then the someone else is like, has limited him so much. Yeah. He, really has. he could have done more alien stuff. I want to see read the David cut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I want a chapter really... devoted to the Salt Sticks factory in their space, North Carolina. <laughs> there's really two sides to David because he's like, people are saying he's massively out there, but then also even in these Star Trek things, like there's a comment where someone's like, "Wow, he really loves writing about naked women." So he's like mm. a problem, <laughs> and he's like more creative than this book is allowing him to be. If that makes sense. Okay, so I guess we should wrap things up. Uh, sure. uh, I think we should just go around and say like final thoughts, uh, John, a way that we kind of like measure, uh, these novelizations is mm -hmm. to be like, would you recommend this book to anyone? Mm, uh, interesting. would you recommend this book to, uh, someone who is a fan of the movie and then sort of the ultimate praise, would you recommend this book on its own to someone who is not a fan of the movie? Who has not um, seen it. So, uh, Jack, you want to start us off? I know you didn't read the whole thing, but. No. Um, and that's uh, tough because uh, I, I was it was it was a good read. I just I'm just the world's slowest reader. I, uh, I just can't help it. I have to reread every sentence over and over. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the I feel like I would like the book more than the movie, although it sounds like from you guys, uh, the lack of uh, of any humor or anything really hurts it. Um but uh, if I had to uh, recommend, I don't think I would. I think I would I'd just say just save yourself the time and, and watch the movie. Fair enough. Yeah. Hannah, um, what you thinking? I pretty much agree. I don't think the book... I mean, what I like in a novelization is when it really expands on things that are promised in the movie but not delivered or hinted but not you know expanded upon. And this book does not do any of that in the way I would like it to. Although, again, Smoking Salt Sticks is so good. <laughs> I'm so glad that I have had the experience of reading that so I can tell other people about it. Um, I don't think it stands on its own as a book. Um, I think if you like loved the movie so much, it might be an interesting companion piece. But that person, I think, doesn't exist. So, no, I, I think the movie is the better version here. <laughs> I think that person is like an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> Perhaps. And this book would probably really amuse an eight-year-old boy. It's like absolutely on that level of yeah. writing. I don't want to interrupt the, the final ranking, the, no, it's all good. what we're doing here, but that is just something I wanted to bring up is what age do we think this book was written for? That's because, a great question. Because it's really, somewhat... Yeah. It's it's it like the the beats are very young adult, but the writing is there. He uses some very uh, ten dollar words uh, at least in the beginning, so I, I don't know. Oh yes, specific word. Do you guys know what I'm gonna say? There is a word in this book I didn't know, and there I was like, few. this was does like, not oh. fit. No. Um, maybe you guys know this word, and I'm just gonna seem <laughs> stupid. Um, Klebe. Oh, I thought that was a made up alien. <laughs> It is a made-up alien. Word. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I, I do have a real word I need to ask about. <laughs> but, no, the Klebe thing cracked me up so much. So for anyone who did like, not read this book, for anyone who did not read this book, um, Peter David, Peter David, a complete coward, did not write the 
did not write the alien's inner monologue in their language. <laughs> so we're reading about everything in English and they're using English terms. They're like talking about like stairs and like stuff. And then, and then at the end he goes, they're, they're like, and of course the alien started hitting him with his cleave, which is like a club. <laughs> and he, and, and, and he says it four times in like two paragraphs, no. and then it is please. not mentioned again. I forgot about that. The completely. alien club. Thank you so much. The alien club. Can I keep this tangent for it. one sec? There was an alien yeah. inner monologue thing that made me laugh a lot. The very first time you get the alien's perspective, they're approaching the solar system, and they're like, "It was a, an insignificant solar system, only eight worlds." Or nine, if you counted that small <laughs> ball of ice in distant orbit around their star. It's like, all right. All right. 2012. Yeah. We remember. 2012, when people the aliens were... are up on, is Pluto a planet? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, Neil, Neil DeCleeb De Tyson, uh, the alien Neil DeGrasse Tyson, giving Pluto shit. I really wish there was more alien stuff in this book. Like, they cut to the alien point of view, and I'm just, like, fascinated. It's so bizarre. Yeah, that, it really should have. That's the way he sh That's how he could have gotten Batcha crazy. If he just did it 50-50, you cut to the alien soccer match, <laughs> the alien brothers. More like and the alien commander Liam land commander drama. Yeah. <laughs> He's my hatchling, but sometimes he sometimes he condescends to me. <laughs> Alien Rakes is played by Katie Perry. <laughs> um, but uh, my actual word that I didn't know, that maybe I'll just look stupid, is Sangfroid. You guys knew this word? I've, I, I've heard it, yeah. Okay, you have to agree, though, that even though... I'm dumber than you, and I didn't know the word. It doesn't fit in this. Do, book. It doesn't. No, that's what I'm saying. Is what what <laughs> what age was this written for? Who is who is who is the audience of for this? And there's book? also a lot of technical boat information and like words used for weaponry that I was like, I'm just going to skim over this. I don't know this at all. Yes, <laughs> it means nothing to me. Have, <laughs> trying to have like this is a master and commander. Yeah. Have you guys read the any of the Pillars of the Earth books? Those like no. sword and shield, whatever. It, it, it has this very funny um, sort of back and forth where, like, they're all about, like, oh, we're going to, like, go to the castle and rescue somebody and there's going to be a sword fight. But then the other half of the book is this author describing architecture. <laughs> I think it's so, about building a cathedral, right? I mean, yes, it's, it's got about building a cathedral. Title, and yeah. so there'll be, like, these very adventurous chapters and then it'll be like, he walked into the cathedral and oh my god the columns <laughs> nice. Nice. i can't even imitate it cuz he's like using terms that i've never heard of <laughs> um one last thing since we're we're off topic now before we get to you and john's uh final review mm -hmm. uh, i just noticed the back of the book says you sunk the wrong battleship which is a badass line but it has that's not that doesn't happen. Like there's no wrong battleship that gets sunk. Right? Yeah, the destroyer, I guess. Is what yeah, the, the, yeah, they, they blow up like stone, and then Hopper's like, "I'm coming for you." Except they don't <laughs> yeah. really do much with that. Yeah, which I, in I, the book, by the way, they describe the name of Stone's ship is uh, the uh, what is it? Oh, I wanted to touch the Samson. on this. The Samson, and then he goes, "But not they didn't spell it wrong, like in the Bible. It's right. actually." Referring to Admiral Samson, not Samson and Delilah. And also, that was coming from Hopper's point of view. Like, Hopper was like, that wasn't that Samson. <laughs> like, All right. 
This is the same same Hopper that loves Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. Big book, big fan of the Book of Judges in the Bible. This is I Hopper. I love that Hopper hates the art of war. I thought that was legitimately inspired. Like when when that came up, I was like, that totally fits. That this guy would feel like he should read it, and yeah. that he wouldn't get it. Like those both totally track for me. Um, yeah. Speaking of the boat's names, and I'm so happy I get to touch on this. Because uh, it's another Sangfroid thing. It's probably just me being an idiot. John Paul Jones. Do you, are you guys aware of the historical figure John Paul Jones? Vaguely, okay, yeah. Loosely, it's the who's it's Led Zeppelin, right? Who's, who's I, John Paul Jones? I the spent other? the whole book and movie <laughs> thinking that that the screenwriters were like, "This is so metal." We named a battleship after the bassist for Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, he's like a famous he's, admiral, he's a isn't he? Yeah, yeah like it, a I, I definitely had that historic well. revolutionary naval hero, right? Something like that. Yeah, or so. But from Civil like War the Revolutionary, Revolutionary War, right? I think so. You, yeah, it's one of the yeah, from one like of those two. Sailing yeah. times. Yeah. Like someone I wouldn't have bumped into. I mean, no, not <laughs> yeah. in real life. Um, I mean, usually you have to do something pretty, uh, pretty important to get a, a ship named yeah, after. Yeah. Okay. So or he died in yeah. 1792. Yeah. Or be a state. It really just colored my perception of the book that I thought it was the type of book that would have something like the, you know, the, the USS Prince or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, okay. Uh, I, I will say just closing thoughts. Um, that I, I did legitimately enjoy this book. I think that it, for a time, was kind of thrilling in, like, a little kid way. And it's just too goddamn long. And really loses steam on, like, its 23rd action sequence being described. Um, and I do, I think there's way too much interiority for all characters. Um, I, there's one I really wanted to point out. This is, like, the sense of humor of this book. This is... Sam just thinking to herself, God, I show up at someone's place, I come with a bottle of wine, maybe some dessert, and if it's a party, I offer to stay after and help with the cleanup. These guys come a bazillion light years to our place, and the first thing they do is blow shit up. I swear, some people. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Very natural. The book is... The book Very is natural. so deeply unfunny. That could be a Stephen King character <laughs> making that joke. <laughs> um, Stephen King is a writer. Very funny. But his characters are like, people always laugh at like the unfunniest stuff I've noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you yeah. could tell that that's uh, Peter David talking. That's not a joke. Yes. That's Sam Shane. He's not, a fun, he's not a funny writer. I just yeah. put that into, I just like bring that up to say that like, I think so much of the interior thoughts of this book are, bad and unnecessary <laughs> and just really pad out and make it like this huge commitment to finish the book. I would not recommend the book to someone unless they were devoutly in love with the movie. I would a hundred percent recommend the movie battleship, which I had a great time with. Um, and I'm sorry, John, that I forbade you to see it. I might watch it tonight. Yeah. It's on, it's on HBO max. Oh, great. I it's think, yeah. I, I think it's quite fun. <laughs> It's worth the watch. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited to get to get to meet all my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in form, you know? I, I had this thought watching Battleship where, like, so I had read, like, 250 pages. So I had basically just the climax of the book left when I watched the movie. 
And I did have the thought when the climax started happening, oh no, battleship spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so John, what do you, did you already go? What did you think uh, of? No, no, yeah, um, let's see. I mean, I had, a, I had a very fun experience reading this book. I think uh, part of it, I, I found the, the challenge of read this novelization without seeing the movie. It's a book that, like, it's not really clear why it exists. Uh, it's not really clear who it's for. I find that found that, ch- that challenge very charming. I thought that was a lot of fun, just being like, okay, I know this, <laughs> this guy. This must be Liam Neeson. You know, this must be Rihanna. Uh, and also, you know, it was quick and moved at a fast clip. I, I'm not much of a reader, and I'm trying to start, start reading more, you know. And, and something like this, uh, like a nice, digestible, easy read, you know, I had fun with it, and I had fun with the the concept of it being an adaptation of Battleship, especially. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I couldn't. I could, I can't picture a situation where I recommend <laughs> this book to someone. It's not like um, not in not in uh, a situation that wasn't where they didn't also have some reason to be reading it, or like they really like this kind of like schlocky stuff for being sort of funny in its own way. Uh, no, yeah, it's not a, it's not a move, a book I would recommend to just like sci-fi or adventure book fans. <laughs> I'm just picturing you at like a MoMA like party, uh, you know, after hours party yeah. and there's all derms going, but you, you have, you just have to read Battleship <laughs> by Peter David. I mean, oh, you're interested in uh, international relationships and, and militarism? Oh, well, th- this is a book that really gets into those issues. I mean, ev- Jack, every party since Gremlins, I've just been, like, drunkenly saying to people, like, more German made the Gremlins. But you don't some understand. of them, some of them were bad and some are good. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't. What more German wasn't the name? <laughs> Wait, sure. I I have my copy of Gremlin. Mark Gurman is too much like your dentist on the Upper East Side. Yeah, yeah no, it was something. <laughs> it was it was something with Mogwai in it. it no, Mort it was Gurman. not. I'm going to Google it right now. Mort. <laughs> I mean, that's my pharmacist. It was, it was one word. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 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 Mort yeah, Gurman. I thought it was like first yeah, name Mort, some... last name Gurman. I was like, that's uh, a human yeah, name. Right. It was Mark Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It was, it was like Mog Termin or something. Mog yeah. Termin. That's it. Mog Termin. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Mort Shelderstein. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit less. Yeah, aggressively Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kremlin's, Kremlin's is... That's like a name that like Janine Garofalo says in that Wet Hot American Summer scene where she's just ran, r- r- naming <laughs> random Jewish campers. Mort German. I think if like if Gremlins came out of the gate and was like the Gremlins were created by a Jew named Mary Gorman, <laughs> I would be yeah, really concerned. The, they were made in the back of an office on 49th Street, like in uh, that Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> oh, is, I, is that the Cobbler? I haven't seen whichever one. You're no, no, the, 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 the yeah, Uncut Gems. Yeah. Wait, my my favorite movie. Yeah. I didn't recognize. <laughs> Does that have a novelization? That sounds like fun. Ooh. <laughs> I are think novelizations are going out of style. And it's devastating. Story. So, John, I think I, that's a good that's a good question. I I think that there's a little bit of novelization fatigue because this is such a homework heavy podcast. Um, yeah. it's so, an ambitious concept. 
we've staked a big goal for ourselves, which is like in like a month and a half to two months to do Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith uh-huh. because it's super long, but beloved. That's people a novelization. Love this novelization. I have recommended to people actively. Really? Oh, cool! It's a I good totally book. Like it. Okay. It's, so we're we're we've got that cooking up, um, and then I think I'm going to try to sneak a couple of tiny ones in. So there, we're we're considering the Jurassic Park three novelization for kids, and mm. um, possibly one of the Rugrats films. I have Fun. a Pacific Rim <laughs> Uprising for children novelization in my home as we speak. So hey, wow. not a bad idea. Especially, I love that it's the sequel to the movie people like. I mean, I have the novelizations for both Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim Uprising for adults. And then I also have the four kids version of the <laughs> sequel. So just like be honest about my novelization sphere here. Yeah. Okay. So obviously when you're hosting guests, you need to have a clean apartment. You need to have food and drink to offer them. And in case you have like a parent and child, you need the adult <laughs> and junior novelizations. <laughs> of course, of course. Amazing. Of Pacific Rim Uprising. Amazing. Um, John, to, uh, to sort of take us out here, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to plug your, your podcast and your whole deal? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, if you, if you like um, improv comedy, I, I, um, I host a, a comedy podcast called Exit Interview. Um, I play the devil and my co-host is God. And every, every week we, we judge a, a mortal who has just died. And we sort, of, we sort of go and see scenes from their life. It's very fun. It's off, you know, off the wall. Uh, so, yeah, check it out if you like that kind of stuff. Uh, don't if, if you don't, I guess. Uh, but... Um, yeah, different from this. It was fun. It was fun just like sitting down for a podcast and like chatting about a thing we'd all experienced, not not being like as performative, you know. <laughs> oh sure, because yeah. your podcast, which is hilarious, is very much like produced and like yes. made in the edit as well. Yes, my co-host is, uh, is has been doing great great editing work. So there's a lot of like sound effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a different vibe than what I imagine this will be. Although I have not yet heard an episode of. What did you say? Unauthorized? Authorized? Oh, authorized. Authorized. That, oh, which, that was, that was <laughs> faux pas. And how dare you? These are official um, novelizations. <laughs> so, John, you will you will likely not hear this for a while because the the they take so long to make because we have to read these books Gotta that I think we're going to bank course, yeah. a ton before we start releasing them. As you should. As we'll you see should. You next it's May 9th, 2021, everybody. <laughs> uh, <hello>. <laughs> <laughs> we're still awaiting the results from the new vote audit in Georgia. <laughs> oh, no. You guys know about that, right? That's not fun. No. Yeah. No. yeah. Sometime, I wonder what Peter David has to say about it on his blog. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching... Season there's like a million seasons of Supernatural too. <laughs> it's like, it just ended was, I, this year. No I was watching season twenty three. Wow. Oh, you hate to hear it. I know. Sad I, and for that's, Peter David. I I'm not a Supernatural fan, but I remember for whatever reason uh, I read uh, an Entertainment Weekly article with the creator. Uh, this was back when I had a job that let me just read Entertainment Weekly from cover to cover. Anyway, he was, it was in, they were shooting their fifth season, and he said he had a five-season vision, and he doubted he would continue, the show would continue after five seasons. He's like, I think we've told the story oh, wow. we want to tell. Ten yeah. years later, like they finally line, like, pulled the plug. Yeah. 
There was like one line like where like they were like CW might uh, the the show is getting more and more ratings each week, so CW might try to convince him otherwise. So was, you know, you just picture Ron Howard's narrator like they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of things continuing, uh, the the novelization of Battleship at least ends with a very clear sequel hook. Is oh there, yeah, is there gonna be one? Was that in the, in movie? The, the movie? The movie has the scene where the children discover an alien, but it does uh-huh. not have the scene where. Um, Hopper receives a call. Okay, okay. Uh, so uh, I read in IMDb's trivia they because uh, I missed this. Uh, they, they say uh, the beam of transmission to the home world. Uh-huh. Uh, you do see the beam go for a second before they blow up the satellite dish and stop <gasps> oh it. So my that God. was the setup to That's the sequel. That's the whole thing yeah. they were trying to stop. <laughs> <laughs> the <whole movie>. oh, <laughs> yeah, damn. they got they got a little. You know, they left a little drop in. They got a little. <laughs> I would watch yeah. Battleship too. Like I would watch that tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. I would 100%. I mean, it bombed. It's not never going to happen. But. <laughs> I thought. Well, I thought about this. I, I thought about this, and I was like, "Me too," because I loved the first movie. But what? How do you make it any different? Wouldn't it be the same army stuff? Submarines. Stuff? Well, then it's not really. But don't they need salt water? Risk. Isn't that why they touch down? That is. Well, maybe you go to space, and it's there's space. Yeah, warfare. you do it in space. Oh, yeah, battle spaceship. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Space battleship. I mean, it's yeah. Been yeah. Uh, oh, oh, you're like Earth my next turn. A. Yeah. One yeah. F three dimensions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You got to add the third dimension. He's like, we need a Z axis. Mom and Dad, I need I need the whole living room to set up my three dimensional battleship board. <laughs> yeah. It'll no, it'll be a VR game. It'll be on the Quest, the Oculus Quest. Yeah. With Peter, that I just made this connection. Peter David loving Supernatural is is his whole thing. Two hot brothers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait. Even so, the so land commander and the sea commander, the two yeah. aliens. Are, we don't know if they're hot. We can they, assume. <laughs> oh, yeah, we so saw their face in the movie, and they're hot. <laughs> fan, uh, win, uh, uh, supernatural fan fiction is called Wincest. So, what would uh, <laughs> what what would Hopper Stone fanfic be called? Battle shipping? Sh- shipping, yeah, it's battle shipping. Wait, I guess. but Hopper, Hopper and Stone, I feel like it should be something about skipping stones or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Confusing yeah. that he calls his brother Hopper. That's weird. Yeah. I've never seen that dynamic in real Because his name is Hopper, it's too. It's explained Stone, in the Stone book. Stone Hopper. Right? It is, but yeah, Stone. yeah, he hates his name Alex, yeah. Like only one of it you gets weird. to go by your last name. Like, you're in the Navy. That's yeah. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to any hypothetical listeners out there, thank you for... Uh, Tune in into our battleship episode of Authorized, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon for a uh, novelization to be determined. Great. Good night. Good night. Open in on exterior, the pitch black of night. Night. At first, an eerie silence. At second, the whirring chop chop of a helicopter. At third, the sleek black mechanical beast conquering the frame. As it rises higher, we see that we are actually a thousand feet above. Exterior, Las Vegas, night. The neon vitality of the desert city is no less potent from such a distance. 
all the familiar landmarks are there. The Luxor, New York, New York, the Stratosphere. But as the chopper veers left, we see something new, something that dwarfs everything around it. A towering skyscraper, a perfect rectangle that, like unfiltered light or a warm handshake, is beautiful in its simplicity. It is commanding. It is majestic. As the chopper approaches it, the title credits tell us it is Jenga. <laughs> Exterior, Jenga Tower, continuous. As the opening credits roll, we get a better look at this marvel of engineering. There are two lines running straight up from street to scrape of sky. Dozens of horizontal lines intersect these meridians, forming a grid, each story of the building divided into three squares. From the side, we see that these squares are the faces of rectangles, of giant tiles. The top floor, the penthouse, made of glass, dead in the middle of the giant window overlooking Vegas from an unlit grand office, stands Maxwell Jenga. Not even 40, he is handsome and dapper, and you can see the power he wields as if it were a force field. He smiles as the helicopter, heading straight towards him, suddenly veers straight up. Exterior, Jenga Tower, roof, continuous. The chopper lands on a helipad in the middle of the giant flat roof. A small crew awaits. First off the ride is Donald Kincaid, overweight and old and better than you. His 40-something trophy wife, Marcia is behind him, dressed in a gorgeous, sparkly red gown. She scowls at the spinning rotors, daring to mess up her hair. Kincaid notices Jenga coming from the access stairway. So how should we do the dialogue? Whoever wants that. <laughs> um, I'll be Kincaid if somebody wants to be Jenga. I think that's Henry, the only You want to be Jenga? Oh, John, I think you should take it. Okay, I'll take it. I think you deserve <laughs> it. Okay. Um, okay. Jenga, you son of a bitch. Jenga smiles. Donald, welcome to my humble abode. They shake hands, hard. Both are wearing expensive tuxedos. You did it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you actually did it. Well, I may have had a little help. He finishes this thought with his eyes, directed back at the helicopter. Disembarking is Charlie Pruitt. He is extremely attractive, but he... Because he wears a pair of thin eyeglasses, he also looks smart. Like he could believably be a scientist or something. He looks uncomfortable in his tux. He looks uncomfortable next to the helicopter, too, glancing at the blades like they were on a leash, waiting for the chance to decapitate him. Instead of getting as far away from them as possible, he stays and helps the final passenger off the chopper. Elsie Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Sorry. Not my strength. Um, is stunningly beautiful and Greek. She has movie star or TV star emerging into a movie star looks. <laughs> Hannah, you really Incredible. didn't uh, follow like 2017 era uh, presidential indictments, huh? No, I guess I didn't. <laughs> oh man, sorry. I mean, there was that one. There was that one week when Papadopoulos was all over the news. Cold reading is not my greatest um, strength. I will not lie. <laughs> It's it, it, it's also true that like when I was reading those news stories in 2017, I wasn't out loud going Papadopoulos. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sort of thing okay. that in a book I'd be like, that's a word, and I'm gonna recognize that word the next time I see it, and I'll never think about how to say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <sighs> uh, man, I really I really want to finish that script now. I literally wrote that. In one sitting, nine years ago yesterday, and then never looked back. You should. I mean, Battleship's it's, not the only one. I heard there's like a Monopoly on the horizon. It was that, that yeah. Is, yeah. It, like, when the, I, I think that's, I think the Battleship trailer was what made me 
do it, but I think it was the yeah, I think it was because there was like eight movies in production and this they're always talking about a clue reboot, which is just an unnecessary idea. Uh, yeah. Well, Jack, you uh were talking about this in the group chat like a couple months ago, but there was that that Ridley Scott directed Monopoly yeah. movie that was announced in like twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, that Actually? was also a, a, a yeah, an impetus for this script. Yeah. And um, yeah. Battleship inspired me. If I do write it, I'm going to add an end after the credits set up for a sequel uh, called Jenga in Space, where they where they build a space <laughs> yeah. a space station like a hundred years in the future, and then aliens attack. Because I was like, the one thing this script is lacking is aliens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. The thing about the Monopoly movie that always fascinated me was like, there's only two ways to do these movies. Like, do you go the route of like. I got sucked into the Monopoly world. Or do you go the route of, like, I am living something that's analogous to the game Monopoly? And, like, if you were to do the second one, it could only be some sort of searing commentary, right? Yeah. 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 About, like, a real estate tycoon in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. 